everybody and welcome to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Do not adjust your calendars. We are here on a Tuesday evening as Melbourne City and Sydney FC face off in a rematch between the two clubs that participated in last year's grand final in the background. It's James Scott and Adam here. We're going to try and keep things all raw focused here for our regular weekly show and in a rare change I think for the first time in 2021 we're actually skipping the Skype recordings and doing this in person. So Adam... How are you? I'm good. Good to see you. you guys are not just uh, Skype figures that are actually real people. No, just kidding. I know we <laughs> spent some time going off the Are you sure but... we're not just Skype figures at this point? <laughs> it seems like most people are, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're trying to overcome the awkwardness that does come with recording face-to-face for the first time, but uh, Scott, how was your weekend? Oh, it was busy, actually. It wasn't too bad. A bit of football involved and three points as well. Three points? Well, four technically for the Royals oh, Football yes, the, Club. Oh, yes, absolutely. As, well, three at the game I was at. Exactly, yes. Um, this is, yeah, Brisbane Football Review. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Facebook, The Raw Review, which is still thankfully up and running. Twitter, at BNE Football. How did we escape that just quietly, by the way? Because we're a podcast, not a news service. <laughs> at least that, that's our official line and we're sticking to it. Uh, on those social accounts, Facebook and Twitter, you can find live coverage of all Brisbane Raw senior fixtures, men's and women's, plus all live coverage of our selected NPL, men's, women's and uh, Football Queensland Premier League fixtures as the season comes along. This will be a slightly shorter show than normal because we do have our NPL season spectacular preview to record coming up in the next little while. So we will go through the weekend's results for the We should emphasise though that in case something does happen to our Facebook, we do have plenty of other platforms with with which you can get the latest updates from us. Mostly Twitter, but you mentioned all the podcasting platforms. God I was actually about to. God okay. we might have to learn how to use Instagram. Oh, God. Hey, I'm there owned by Facebook. That's like a work. I'm not posting any shirtless photos on the Brisbane Football Review Instagram. I don't, Isn't that our, what... I don't think our fans wanted you to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but um, our podcasts are available on a variety of platforms. So if our social accounts ever do have any technological dramas, uh, you can listen to the podcast on Wooshka, iTunes, Spotify, Tune in radio and on the A League Live app as well. I am led to believe, if my if our Facebook messages aren't up and down. Anyway, we've got a lot to get through this evening. Quite a lot of talking, and our producer Trixie might chime in with a growl or a bark at some point over the next little while. What do you say we get into our A League recap? Okay, cool. Nodding works. <laughs> so uh, Saturday evening down at. Down in Sydney, the Raw took on the defending champion Sydney FC, and it finishes a nil-nil draw. And considering I actually tipped Sydney to win this match, overall I'm quite happy. It was a second straight clean sheet for the Raw, and it did come largely just through sheer determination rather than anything overly spectacular. Yeah, look, I think it was a good performance by the Raw. Um, look, I, I think Sydney are far from a spent force, or even where their sort of their, their ladder sort of position lies. Obviously, they've got games in hand, and if they had to win all those games, um, 
you think that they'll be back back right up at the summit of the ladder. But um, but yeah, look, Raw were lucky. Let's let's let's, let's be clear about that. And, you know, a couple of um, a couple of yo know, strikes the woodwork from Ryan Grant, and um, also saw some miraculous saves from uh, Jamie Young kept them in the game. But look, overall, I think uh, Warren Moon have been quite happy and satisfied with that result. Yeah, I wouldn't pay any attention to the ladder at this point, given teams have played so many so many games and others haven't played many. So I think. Let that um, sort itself out first. But on the game against Sydney, I thought it was probably the Raw's best performance away to Sydney in a while, actually, given the fact that they were they were under the pump in the first 15, 20 minutes, James, and there were some pretty clear changes tactically made by Warren, which I'll talk about in a minute, which managed to get the Raw back in control of the game enough to be able to get forward to the other end and create some opportunities. And Adam said that the Raw were lucky, and they were to a degree to what you're saying in terms of Ryan Grant hit the post twice and... They had a couple of other good saves from Jamie Young as well, but so too was Sydney in a way, because Dylan Wenzel Halls had a couple of really good chances in the second half in particular, which the Raw might have got something out of it. So I thought it was a really good, professional, solid away performance, and the results go with it. I, I think that's, it's. I know they got a one-all draw in Newcastle late last year in the hub life, but I thought this was a much better performance away from home against the team, which is still incredibly strong. Yeah, absolutely. And the big takeaway for me is, it feels like they set set out not to lose this fixture, and they did have chances to win. And it it did look like a really draining uh, setup overall. And look, let let's give a special mention to Tom Aldred, who probably doesn't remember a whole lot of that game because I think he was very much in the wars yes. and putting in what they term as a captain's knock. But overall, yeah, it does feel like the Raw basically just decided, you know, let's just make sure that we don't blow this game because. You remember their last trip down to face Sydney FC, you know, non-hub related yeah. uh, games. They got blasted yeah, by yeah. Sydney FC. It would have been in the first half as well. Yeah, and it they definitely looked like the second best side on the park that day. Whereas here, I honestly feel like if you were playing that match in a final situation where you needed a goal to win, I wouldn't have ruled out the rule getting one. Okay, maybe after Scott McDonald did his hamstring late in the match, but overall, I do think yeah that was a very mature performance from what yeah. can be an occasionally young raw side. Yeah, it was a very mature performance. You mentioned Tom Aldrin, the performance that he put in at the back. You can put Macaulay Gillespie right alongside that. Those two are becoming, I think they're becoming the best defensive pairing in the competition, just with the way they combine so well. And the Raw's record defensively with them has been absolutely superb. And they were integral on Saturday night. I mean, if they weren't the, the first and second best players for the Raw, they were right up there. They were... Incredibly important. You mentioned McDonald's. Well, I thought his role actually dropping a little bit deeper as we get a little bit of a bit of playing going on here with our producer. But um, the the role McDonald's started to play in dropping a little bit deeper, James, to try and link up the play, put another body into the midfield. I think that really did help change the game back in the way of the rule. So it was the senior players who actually led the show on Saturday in terms of changing things and keeping the role in the game. I thought that was really. That was really good to see that they were the players who were able to step up and do that. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned that pairing. I was really impressed with how Gillespie's just becoming so much more confident on the ball in the last couple of months. He's really, you know, almost asserting himself as, you know, Macaulay Beckenbauer or something. Yeah, I think the, the rise of uh, Macaulay Gillespie, I think it's one, I think the Raw fans, I think will look back, you know, in the space of years, gone from sort of, sort of, you know, he sort of struggled at sort of, you know, early, you know, early on in his uh, tenure at the Raw, but he's just grown and grown. And, and, and yeah, like I said, he, he is the uh, the reigning um, Gary Wilkins medalist and 
and and yeah, look, I think yeah, he's he's just growing confidence. And that that pairing with Tom Aldred, look, I know I know that it's a, and we'll get to it shortly about you know the fact that the raw you know is scoreless and you know in a, you know back to back scoreless games now, but defensively, you know, it, it's like I said, they're they're a combination that yeah you can trust that you know that basically you have no fears. I think just overall speaking, I think going forwards, you know, it's a case of. Yeah, where in the past, yeah, you think, oh, you see Sydney on the schedule, oh, geez, prepare for a loss. I don't think that's the case anymore. With this raw side, I think you can actually, you can actually face a side like Sydney and think, you know what, your chance of getting at least something out of that game, especially in Sydney. Should we throw hit James under the bus here after what he said? About 18 months ago? Oh, yeah, that um, Aaron Reardon would replace Macaulay Gillespie. <laughs> yeah. in, in in my defence, yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> That was also that was also in a uh, bold predictions uh, segment where someone might have said that Aidan O'Neill and uh, Brad Inman would be competing for Socceroos jerseys. So. Yes, I did say that. <laughs> I said he'd go to the Olympics too, so that's a 50-50 chance happening. <laughs> well, of just actually having the Olympics, or that too. <laughs> but overall, yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a lot to like about that back-to-back clean sheets against what have been, you know, pretty decent attacking sides, or at the very least, you know, Sydney. Newcastle have their moments as well with, you know, um, a couple of really good players who are drawing a blank, a blank on at the moment. But I do also wonder, I'm a, still a little bit concerned about the level of fatigue that this side might have had. Obviously, they played in such a blistering tempo against Adelaide and Melbourne victory. Yep. Could they, like, could they have maybe done, or could they have looked maybe a little bit fatigue just trying to get themselves back I suppose back to level. It's entirely possible isn't it when you come off a three game run like that the momentum and the adrenaline almost would be the things. Once you get a come down from that James, I mean you do some marathon running from time to time so you know about the adrenaline wearing off after intense preparation like that so but I think that it's probably possible and I do think they've been pretty lucky actually with injuries up until this point as well. So the players who've been Playing week in week out should be pretty like match harder. But players who haven't been playing for a few weeks, like Joey Chantness, for example, who hasn't been able to get a start since was it the game before the first Newcastle game was his last? I think so. Full yeah, game. it's victory, yeah. right? So it's been a while for players like that who've gotten to get regular match game time. It's been pretty consistent, hasn't it? The last in that run, it was pretty much the same team minus one change here and there. So I think that. The players who are on the field are match hard. And I think we just—it's more the players who are coming in aren't quite, who've just lost that bit of sharpness through a lack of match action. And we did see, obviously, uh, Masato Kudo not even in the match day squad. He was apparently playing in a preseason friendly with the Rules NPL side as well, just to try and get some minutes yeah. into his legs. So, look, competition for places is quite high, and that can be a good thing with the likes of new signing goal goal Mabrata, who came on in the 62nd minute. Overall, like, there's again that was a. Good little cameo from uh, Goal Goal. That's gonna um, that's gonna open itself up to so many puns as we just quickly scores a goal goal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, there's a, there's an awful lot to like. I I was just surprised at how physical uh, Goal Goal was when he came on and just lined up in that central striker role. I was very impressed. Um, being being that his first action in a while now. Um, 
obviously he he would have been training and whatnot and sort of just waiting and waiting for his international clearance to come through. But look, he came on and he really looked um, looked sharp. And I think yeah, you get some minutes in his legs and he could be very very um, quickly get contending for a starting role. Um, like I said, it's, it's, it's a stacked it's a stacked front line you know, attacking group for the Raw, which which is I think is not certainly not a bad thing because um, obviously competition for place is something that I know Warren Moon thinks very highly of. Well, it could come this week. You mentioned Scott McDonald's injury issues at the end of the game, so there's an opportunity there. I thought it's a combination actually with Dylan Wenzel Halls in that 10 to 15 minute period when he when Golgo was on the field before Dylan was substituted. I thought the combination was starting to build quite strongly. There, you've got two guys there who are pr- pretty strong and quick. And the, you can see a really good partnership forming with those. So I'm not sure where McDon- Scott McDonald and Masato Kudo fit into that mix. Maybe they're too similar. Maybe you want McDonald and one of them, Wenzel Halls McDonald, and having yeah. a, a Mabratu as an option similar to that off the bench. But I thought their combination was really good. I agree with you. Mabratu looked really good. You could tell that he's improved a lot from the player we saw in the A-League five, six years ago. His time in Europe, he's a much... Much better player now, James. Absolutely, and there's a yeah, there's a lot to be optimistic about. And I suppose the big thing as well is this raw side just it, it looks like they'll be able to go different horses for courses. Obviously, last week I thought they were going to go back to a back four and try and bring in an extra body to match Sydney in midfield. Turns out that extra body was just telling Macaulay Gillespie to you know just get forward and everything. But um, yeah, they can try and change a few players around as needed. So I really like what they've got, you know, going forward. And that that squad depth is going to be very, very crucial for them going forward. Now, the next thing I would like to see them do is score a goal, but, you know, <laughs> can't have it all in one go. That's all I'm going to say. It's uh, 311 minutes the uh, count oh, is, up to, is up to now, which is uh, thanks to uh, this Australian uh, professional leagues and their stats team, but it's the third third longest uh, streak um, goal streak for the club in history. Uh, if it gets to the 19th minute on Friday night, it will move in a second. But then the What's top, the longest top spot is 478 minutes back in the 2006-07 team, and I reckon we probably was sat through a lot of those yeah. because there was oh. that raw side who had you know some really really good talent. But is this a 6-70? That would have been the Milicic, the Reynaldo, yes, the Simon Lynch front third. That team. That's and then they brought the kids in and they all of a sudden caught yeah. fire. That was 07 08, I'm fairly certain. Oh, yeah, it was too. Because, yeah. Yes, it was, you're right. That was yeah. the year after. Yeah, because that was the season I started right. paying To be a fair, lot Ronaldo more. and Milicic were there. Yeah. yeah. Although I do actually, um, yeah, I do remember a lot of uh, sterile dominance that would have made Arsene Wenger proud. <laughs> but, okay. So I do, I do want to close this off. We will get moving on to the W League, which was frankly awesome. Um, I've got a conspiracy theory that I've mentioned to you two off air. I want to bring it on air. So there was quite a bit of talk going on about, you know, why Scott McDonald was still on the pitch at the, in the final few minutes of the match. Obviously, you know, he's 37 or something. Still unbelievably fit. Could run rings around the three of us combined. But, you know, why'd you sub off Wenzel Halls in the 77th minute when... Sorry, wife just calling. Um, yeah, why'd you sub off Wenzel Halls in the 77th minute when McDonald probably uh, could have used a minute, a um, few extra minutes of rest. Now, my working theory is, I reckon McDonald and Moon worked out a deal at the start of the season, saying McDonald's going to run himself into the ground, which he has done through the first nine games or whatever they've played now, and he he's going to run himself into the ground when he's cooked and needs a break. He's going to step out, Kudo and 
well, now I guess Joey Champness and everything uh, will come in. And he's going to go, and McDonald's going to go help the NPL side at the start of their season in a coaching role. And then he's going to come back fresh and firing for the run home. That's not the theory I thought you were going to go with. I was, I was, this is going to be the one and only AFL reference you're ever going to hear from me. What was the guy who played up front for the Lions? When Alistair was, Lynch. When he didn't want to go to Perth all the time. <laughs> he, well, he could have I, I, thought that's where you, I thought that's where you were going to go with it on that. But I, I just think McDonald, the role he was playing on Saturday night as slightly deeper, dropping into a creative midfield role almost. There's a three in midfield with Akbari and O'Shea, or Daly and O'Shea by the end of it in those roles with McDonald ahead of them. I thought it was more just he was filling that role and there wasn't anybody really in the Raw squad there who you could push into that role. They had no other midfielders on the bench who could come into it because it was only Josh Brindle South that's available. I thought it was more that than anything else. I just think they, had decided, they didn't have as many numbers because it was only five on the bench, if you remember. They didn't have the extra players. Maybe if they were there, he might have been substituted. But I just think it was more a case of lack of options and he was filling a really important role. Yeah, I think it's I think it's more of a case of yeah, I just think he just loves playing. I think he still he, oh, he definitely still loves does he that. still loves playing and like I said, I don't think uh, at the moment Warren Moon dare uh, bench him. I think it's uh I, I think yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a case of Occam's razor here. I think it's more of a case of he just he he's playing well. He's doing his job, and um, why take him off? He's doing his job. I think it's that. That's my end. But no, you, know, you never know. Conspiracy theories so, are always you know fun to th- ponder, and yeah. there may be some truth in it. Yeah, and I should have remembered Alice Lynch's name. Actually, he's the father of Peninsula Power goalkeeper Tom Lynch. Well, there yeah. you go. All I right, should have known that. Let's move on to the raw side that did pick up all three points this weekend, and the W League, and they just basically uh, yeah pushed aside Perth Glory with a. You know, stunning 4-0 win. Uh, really, I, I wish I could say that this was, you know, the most entertaining match, but really, as soon as the Raw took the lead through Emily Gilnick with the opener... Olivia Chance. Olivia Chance, I beg your pardon? Why am I thinking of Gilnick? Oh, no, that's right, she got the second and third. Anyway, yeah, when Olivia Chance scored first, I was like, well, that's surely game over. Yeah, yeah uh, I think a lot of people... It's, I think it's sort of met expectations. I think a lot of people went to Lions on Sunday and, and tuned in thinking that, you know, Raw should win and win comfortably. And it pretty much, you know, it pretty much sort of panned out that way. I think, unfortunately, this um, this Perth Glory side are rebuilding. Uh, I know we've, we've, we've sort, of j- sort of jibed jokes in the past that, you know, no Sam Kerr, no Perth Glory. And, yeah, I think it's a case that they are rebuilding. They've got a lot of sort of local talent. They've got a couple of uh, New Zealand internationals uh, in that team. But... Other than that, yeah, no, I think Raw had too many weapons yeah. as, as we sort of foretold, and it played out as we yeah. thought. Yeah, that first 20 minutes was a bit tense. You could almost see it like it was going to be one of these games because Perth's got a good record over here. So were they going to completely get a result out of nowhere once again? But you're right, once that first goal went in, a great strike from Olivia Chance, unbelievable, into the top corner. You're not saving that. Once that went in, it was very, very clear that it was going to be one-way traffic, and the Raw had the momentum at that point, and they just carried it all the way through the rest of that game, playing some really, really good football. I did think the uh, best tweet I saw of the weekend came from New Zealand football, uh, where they were struggling to, you know, celebrate the goal for Olivia Chance or commiserate with the Perth goalkeeper who's... Lily Alfield. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wondering whether they celebrate or commiserate. So I thought that I thought that was very well played. But um, yeah, it was also a brace from Emily Gilnick. Had a pretty... Opt- op- Opportunistic <laughs> attempt for was it this? It was the second goal, yeah. the long-range bomb. I've got to ask though, what ratio are you blaming uh, the keeper for that though? Because I'll be honest, there was an as Scott's getting really frustrated with Melbourne City doubling their lead. Clearly, 
And I'm um, also a little bit nervous. Anyway, back to I might have you're talking about two and a half goals. You're talking about Gilnick and yeah. How much? Field. How much? What percentage, Adam? Do you place blame on the keeper for not not really claiming the ball? I think I sixty forty um, against. I think look, it was an audacious strike by Emily Gilnick, um, and. Yeah, but I also think that Alfred should have actually probably, you know, have, she didn't get beaten heads up. I think she, she got enough on it. I just think she just yeah. mistimed enough where she pretty much spilt it. And uh, I'm not going to say it was an own goal. Oh, um, no, as, as we were under the same guise as what we were um, panning uh, Jada Wyman last week for. But, um, yeah, I still think, yeah, that while it was a great goal and it was a great spectacle, yeah, I don't think um, Alfeld would be too impressed by that Norse of coach. But, look, she, she had a, you know, a half-decent game. Um, like, it could have been a lot a lot more out of hand if she sort of didn't step in a couple of times. But, yeah, I just think, yeah, but although it's a strike, but I think it's also uh, keeper error. It just proves everything bounces out. James obviously Raw had one of those up in Dolphin Stadium with the Canberra game, but I think it was one of those where the keeper got back. She got there in plenty of time to do it. It's just the mind was scrambled trying to get back, then get the composure and get positioning in her mind right. And by that point, it's there and it slipped through her finger. So I thought she got back. I think it was a really good bit of audacious play, but I, it's a goalkeeping error. But yeah, it's also a tremendous bit of creativity and thought to take that opportunity because there was also a three on two break there with Raw having two wingers pushing for McKenna on the left and Hecker on the right so they could have gone that path as well and maybe created a chance but to see that and to take it it just shows you Emily Gilnick is well and truly in form and as, as evidenced by the third strike which was also terrific yeah well First of all, yeah, you can tell Gilnick's confidence has just been completely rebuilt compared to what we saw at Dolphin Stadium at the start of January. It looks like that storm's finally hit. Uh, But on that as well, yeah, I give Gilnick plenty of credit for it because we here on the Brisbane Football Review do prefer to emphasise the positives, especially when it has to do with the Brisbane Raw. That being said, though, I I did feel for the keeper because it did almost look like Alfield was just trying to... I think she probably could have caught it. She probably could have tipped it up. Yeah, and she got there, didn't she? she yeah, got she, back got, in time, she got right? a hand to it. But I think it was also just a case of a slightly mistimed jump as well, where could have very easily, you know, tipped it down and then just r- gathered that because there was nobody around her. But, yeah, you know... Truth, truth, truth be told about uh, Lee Elfeld's well, I know we don't cover sort of the other sort of, you know, games of Perth Glory, but she has been... She's had yeah. a couple of, you know, crackers, you know, as well for them. So, look, it's one mistake. Yeah. Like I said, Morgan Aquino is probably in a similar boat um, from the mistake that she made last week against Sydney. So, they're, they're all entitled yeah. ones. So it's I'll, also tough to be harsh on yeah. Perth as well, given their, their season's been absolutely crazy. Two games yeah. in three days, then two weeks off. Then another couple of games, they have more time off. It's not. There's yeah. no momentum to their season. It's just. It's like you turn up, play a couple of games, James, and you just go on a holiday. And yeah. It's it's really. I know we all know why, and it has to be this way. But for them, it's the really short straw. Yeah. In terms yeah. of what they have to deal with. Definitely. Um, I will also give a mention to Winnie Heatley as well with her shot come cross slash whatever you want to call it <laughs> that uh, could very easily have put the roar up even more in that first half, which. I know it wasn't like exactly the same, but it did spark a few memories of the goal that uh, put Lions into the NPL Grand Final last season as well. So I think it might have been celebrated just as much if that had had gone <laughs> in as well, because there was a fair contingent of Lions faithful there on Sunday evening. Well, they really would have had no excuse, would they? Nah. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then we will touch on the probably best story to come out of this match as well. And um, yeah, we've got 
Larissa Crummer. So she'd been out for, what was it, almost two full calendar years, yes. if my maths is. Oh, over two yeah. calendar years. 300 and, no, 758-odd days, okay. I think it was. Um, and, yeah, overall, like, it's just great to see her close out the match with a goal. Yeah, look, uh, it's, it's, she had a couple of, uh, I wouldn't call false starts, but she was she was named inside a couple of times and, and was sort of left at home, especially for that Sydney run. But, yeah, look, she came on um, in the second minute, and it was almost uh, meant to be. And, um, look, it's, yeah, it, for all the injuries she's had and all that, it's good to see, see her back, you know, especially as well, scoring goals, which is uh, something that she didn't really... Um, she did. She didn't really do, do in her first tenure for the Raw. Um, and she actually found a silver sort of scoring boots when she went to um, Melbourne City. And actually, won the Golden Boot that year. There we go. Yeah, I think it was one goal in twenty-six games in Larissa's first stint at the Raw. But this was, this is the stuff that dreams are made of. This isn't it. You could make a movie out of that script. You come off the bench, long time out of the game, almost her first touch, pretty much. Great bit of play to set her up and a good finish at the back post. And you could see what it meant to her. The team, Jake as coach, the way he, we haven't got the audio here, unfortunately, but he was one of the first things he spoke about on Sunday night was how great a moment that is for Larissa to finally get that goal. And just you can imagine as a striker, yeah, it's great to be back on the field, but your job's to score goals, and to be able to get one like that after so long out, it's unbelievable. Definitely. All right, now we are going to finish off our recaps with our three-two ones. Now I believe it's my turn for the W League. So um, I'm going to give three points for Emily Gilnick, for obvious reasons. Um, yeah, just her confidence is just it's sky high at the moment. Um, two, Izzy Dalton. I thought running the midfield there once again just phenomenal pickup for the raw, and then one point for Liv Chance. Now uh, we did actually, and by we I mean me, did forget <laughs> to do the um, three, two, ones for the A League as well. So we'll just quickly run on that. And whose turn is it to do the three, two, ones for the A League? And it will be Adam. I'll uh, do that. Hang on, let me just uh, get on. It's uh, almost uh, on. Yeah. Okay. Was... Three, three points. Throw three points. Oh, that's. I don't need to rethink about that. Um, I think pretty much all is Jamie Young. Three points. No, uh, it's a sensational game. Sensational save. Look. Um, he he's really sort of, since his injury he's come back sort of you know really sort of marshalling that back line and look it's back to what we expect um, of hi- of him so three points to Jamie Young two points Tom Aldred just captain's knock as we said you know you know just very 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 tough performance you know don't know whether he um, will be available for the uh, trip to Perth um, after sort of you know seemingly done his hamstring by half time but he, pl- he ran at full ninety and I gave one point to Golgon. Golgo Mbratu, I thought, you know, he, he's coming off the bench. Um, I thought he did well, and look, with a bit more luck, Raw may have even been able to pinch that game. So I thought he did well, and that's uh, my my player of the year votes. There we go. Okay, so up next for the Raw in the W League, Canberra United, uh, Sunday, 4.05pm. I'm going to guess that is Sydney time. Next week. Next week. Oh, that Sunday, March 7th. Yeah, well, that's the next game. Yep. They're on a bye this weekend. Um, so, yeah, we don't have to worry about a preview until next week. But, yeah, 4 or 5 p.m. Sunday. So plenty of time for the Raw to rest. And I suppose that is the one thing that is going to help them out as well. They are going to be able to, I suppose, sit back and watch Sydney FC take on Perth Glory in their next match as well because the Raw are two points behind Sydney, but they have played an extra game on the W League ladder. Now, 
The other uh, football that took place in this part of the world on the weekend, at least competitive football, the FFA Cup. And there was quite a lot of uh, drama, and really, it's it's hard to go past a game that uh, Simon Smale had on Sunday afternoon. Just the absolutely wild clash between, where is it? Uh, the uh, Lakes. Lakes and Burley Head. Yes. Not really a whole lot uh, going on in the first 70-odd minutes. The Lakes, comfortable 5-1 lead there. Then all hell broke loose, pretty much. I think, you know, there probably would have been some things that we would have loved to have, like, heard Simon say if he was being completely honest and uncensored about how insane the game was. But four goals in 13 minutes brought the match to a 5-5 tie. Yes, goals in the 74th, 79th, 83rd and 87th minute to make it 5-all, and then a winner in the 88th. And then with the last kick of the game, Burley actually had a chance to send it to extra time, but they uh, hit the bar and it went over. I think Simon probably would have needed quite a bit of a lie-down after that fixture. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, knowing Simon, yes. <laughs> I think it's true magic of the cup. And it would have been even more so if it had gone in and made it 6 all. Yes. Um, there were a few ties that were postponed because, of course, I was at the uh, coast all weekend. So, naturally, it was raining. Uh, the matches that were completed, Centenary 4-1 over Pine Rivers, Palm Beach 5-0 over Kangaroo Point, uh, Calandra 2-1 over Rockville, then we also had Brighton uh, going down to Pine Hills, a side I'm familiar with. So Pine Hills advancing to the fourth round for, from memory, the third time in their club history. Um, Kingscliff Wolves 6-0 over Annerley. Surface Paradise 10-0 over The Gap. That was a fairly one. We know, we know Surface Paradise are, very, are quality teams. So. Yep. Um, Souths Warriors 5-0 over Willowburn. Tuong FC 2-1 over Grange Thistle. That Almost a bit of an upset there. There's a few of those, isn't it? Because a couple of the FQPL two sides did get themselves knocked out, and there's Not probably a few, but we don't yeah, five of them. yeah. There's a reason for it, given their season starts later. So yeah, I think they're just starting to build up. But on paper, you'd say there's a couple of upsets there. Bayside four one over Virginia Tarragindi four three over Ormo FC Albany Creek three two over North Star. That was a game that. Well, for a while there, it certainly looked like it was going to be a fairly forgettable tie. And then... Yeah, uh, J- uh, Jared Nick called that game um, on, on Saturday night. No, I sort of caught the end of that after after the Raw game. And uh, yeah, for it's for a game that seemed like nothing was happening for 65 minutes, that one seemed to um, <laughs> have exploded where Ace got uh, 2-0 in front and then um, North Star pegged it back and then um, Ryan Shaughnessy with a great free kick to make it 3-2 and to see the Brisbane Premier League club knock over the FQPL2 club. There we go. In a local derby. And then, yeah, Mogul FC 1-0 over Caboolture. That's the biggest shock, isn't it, that one? Yeah. Uh, oh, that's uh, the one most people would have thought Caboolture no, would go one, quite far one, in I this competition. One. Uh, New Farm United 2-1 over Newmarket. Almost a local derby there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ripley Valley 2-0 over Sanford that's Rangers. The one. That's, the, that's the one I think actually is the big upset. Uh, and congratulations to uh, Ripley Valley. Uh very new club, I think, second year in existence, and um, yeah, they're they're into the fourth round of the uh, FFA Cup. Uh, Acacia Ridge two 0 over Wombai Snakes. Scott, progressing of- progressing nicely. This is about the second time we've made it this far as a club. I say we. I'm not involved in them. I haven't been involved for about 15 years, but 10, 15 years. So I haven't been involved for a while. But second time they made it this far in the competition. So they are down the road from your place. They are very yeah. close to my place. They are very much your local side. Um, North Pine, 5-1 over Western Spirit. Nambour, Yandina, 4-0 over Brisbane Knights. And 
the two matches that were postponed, at least according to the app that I'm looking at at the moment, Talabudra and Magic United and Logan Metro against Coomera Colts, those matches will be played on the 26th of February. And Narang and Taringa was the other game that was postponed. There we go. Okay. So that's your FFA Cup recap. Um, We would normally have a graphic up on our socials, but because we've been busy doing prep for our NPL season preview, we kind of didn't. Well, I'll... I'll, uh, Might wait till these postponed games are played and we'll put something together. Yeah, we'll work something. Nice save. There we go. (laughs) That's why it's not out yet. The round's not finished. That's the way to do it. We only ran for the graphic up on a completed round. There we go. Okay, now... um, we are only half an hour in, uh, so that we will quickly touch on a news story that came out earlier today, and that is, yeah, Football Australia unveils ambitious FIFA Women's World Cup legacy plan to the government. So basically, just yeah, trying to build on yeah. the uh, fifteen on the eleven principles with the fifteen-year vision, trying to upgrade a lot of the uh, facilities. And so they should. I mean, you think about some of the major events that have happened in in Australia in the last twenty years regarding, regarding to sport. To get right back to two thousand, all the infrastructure. Updates that happened around the Sydney 2000 Olympics, while well, the one sport which was forgotten in that was football. And football's in the Olympics, yet some sports who aren't got benefits out of that. So I think it goes right back to then. Obviously, you think about the failed men's World Cup bid, where there was all sorts of stuff about stadiums, and and one particular code carried on like absolute pork chops and got two free stadium upgrades out of it. So good luck to them. But fo- again, football got very little out of that, and it's absolutely appropriate that this is a football World Cup. Facilities should be upgraded for football, particularly when you think about training facilities, James. It's going to be going to need to be 32 professionally quality football training facilities across Australia and New Zealand. Why shouldn't they be football-based? We've already seen here in Brisbane, up and around Adams Neck of the Woods at Moreton Bay there at South Pine, they're building a, a, a state-of-the-art facility which was based for a women's football in particular as an academy. and a, $18 million yep, investment. Absolutely, and that's well and truly on the way to happening. It'll be ready by 2023. That's just one facility here in southeast Queensland, why shouldn't that be replicated nationwide, James? Yeah, I, I agree one hundred percent. And look, this is one of those times where I am really glad that you've got the likes of James Johnson in charge as yeah. the lights just flickered as the storm goes over. So, hey, we, we keep we keep recording no matter what. Um, yeah, and I I just feel like overall, yeah, it is good having someone like uh, Johnson in charge because he's played the game at an international yeah. level, like politically with the negotiating and stuff. I don't think he's going to necessarily bend over to say, oh, hey, let's give a rival code any extra support. Like, we'll happily work with them, but I'm not going to say, all right, well, we get, we've got a Women's World Cup coming. Let's yeah. make sure that, you know, an NRL women's team or whatever yeah. gets a new facility out of it. It's a good point, James. Sorry to jump no, in here. But you yeah. think back to the rugby union at Ballymore, James, they're looking to upgrade their facility they right are. now. And I would like to think and hope that they've got nothing to do with the Women's World Cup. Now, maybe a team might train there, for example, but I would would be more than disappointed if that was being being renovated on the back of the World Cup. And I don't think it is, but if it was, something like that would be going back to what we've seen in the past. I believe that's also getting renovated with an eye on Rugby World Cups, but it will be yep. working with the Women's World Cup possibly as a training base. I think um, overall, I think it's something that, you know, sport, these sporting sort of authorities, you know, sort of going, dating right back to the 2000 Olympics, have really done poorly. Um, and this is this is more of a, a secular sort of view on sport in general, that I think across all the sports, 
the the whole consist the whole component of building a legacy for an event i think really has been underrated and yeah. in fact you know it's a case of oh we will build it and they will come but we've got nothing to do after that and i think that's why it's so important yeah. to have this legacy projects so not not that it's just about oh the world cup in 2023 and then everyone all teams go home and that's it it has to carry on yeah. for decades in in the future. That's something I know yeah. that Japan and South Korea have done very very well after their 2002 World Cup up there. That they, they yeah. did, it wasn't a case of oh you know for, for good and bad as well. They they were stuck with a couple of white elephant stadiums, which I don't think has ever been filled since. Not as, that not World as Cup. many as some previous yeah. World Cups. Been. But um but yeah but also as well but their development you know as far as their youth development and whatnot was built on the foundations of that World Cup yeah. and. You want to hope that you know we've got we've got a golden era with the Matildas at the moment. I think you know if, I think we're we're right for the next ten years, but we don't want to get to 2030 and go oh we're a spent force. We're going to have to spend the next decade rebuilding. It should be, it should be onwards and onwards and onwards. Yeah. You know, so that that Brisbane, uh, that that Australia are a force. Not even women's football, men's football. You know, for the next thirty years yeah. at least, and then beyond. Yeah, because these facilities change. They can upgrade men's football facilities for this World Cup. That's fine. I think as long as the clubs of places they have it are for both genders, I think it's perfectly fine. And to your point, the, what's it, was it the stadium in the Amazon in Brazil yeah, had hosted Manus, four games and it was about yeah. a billion dollar stadium? That's the sort of stuff that FIFA have got to get away with. That's the trash legacy, yeah, that's the, look up Brazil. Yeah, that's the, that's the white it's elephant deluxe. Cup, it's a great World <laughs> Cup, the day after, and like so yeah. if you look at a year's time, it's like... They've, so got, it's, they've got eight different um, bus parking lots around the around the country now, James. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, so I think there is a lot to you know try and take from this World Cup bid, and it seems like it's actually being done with. I, I really do hate this phrase and how it gets overused, but it's going to be a sustainable yeah. legacy from this World Cup, and they've got a few other points as well, talking about trying to move to a fifty-fifty participation between uh, men and women in football by twenty twenty-seven as well. So there's a lot to there's a lot to look forward to. Now, we're going to need to move on as uh, the live A League fixture moves towards half time. We'll talk about Friday night's trip across to Perth, where of course the Glory have a home game. Go figure. <laughs> the Roar heading. It's their second or third, by the way. Yeah. Home game. I, I know. It's and a rare event that... this year. You're going to have to put that line away for a while. Yeah, but that means I've got to be creative and there's only so much I can do. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Do the, the Raw players need to actually pack their passports? For <laughs> I, I think if certain uh, c- certain uh, politicians over there get their way, they may have to yeah. do it down, down the line. Anyway, yes. So the Raw are taking on the 8th place Glory. Now that does come with a bit of an asterisk since the Glory have only played 5 matches. 3 wins and 2 draws. 15 goals scored, 12 against. I'm actually really looking forward to this. I feel like it's going to be a really good test of where the Raw are at the moment because back-to-back clean sheets have come at the, I suppose, expense of just that insanely entertaining attack. And the goldfish part of me really wants to see a few more goals. Look, I actually think that we could be in store for a very entertaining game of football. If the conditions are right, you know, a, sort of a, a milder sort of, you know, Friday night, Friday evening at in Perth, um, and a dry track, I actually reckon that, you know, we might be in for a few goals. I think uh, we're going to see some really entertaining, because know, we know that um, Perth Glory can score goals, but they also can leak goals. Uh, as we have seen on on occasion, and you know, seen with their sort of you know sort of inconsistent schedule, uh, I know Richard Garcia be working overtime to try and sort of figure out what's the best balance. And I think yeah, it, it could be plenty of goals. I think it'd be plenty of entertainment in this game. 
always good to get the overseas trip out of the way early, James. But this is, <laughs> this is going to go either one or two ways. Either the, the Roar are going to break their goal-scoring duck this week and it's going to be a high-scoring game in the way that a lot of Perth games seem to go. Or Perth's long run of scoring a whole bunch of goals playing a bunch of entertaining games is going to come to an end. It's going to be, it's going to be one or the other, but I just think it's going to be a really good game. I can see it actually being... Perth games over there tend to be madness in general, and they'll they'll be right up for it given it's their first time game in almost a month. So I can imagine it's going to be one of those high-scoring games, and it should be really interesting to watch. Absolutely, I think the Roar are going to have to really go for broke and try and outscore Perth in this fixture because they do have such a strong attacking lineup. I, I think for me, yeah, this is going to come down also to which players are fit and ready to make the trip because. I, I, do, I do worry that they're going to have to go through a bit of rotation for this fixture, and, you know, maybe a few players might get Alistair Lynch managed. But, um, yeah, overall, I think there's going to be a lot for this... Like, we're going to learn a lot about this side over the course of the two hours on Friday night. Yeah, and also as well, but I also think that, you know, unless it's an absolute cataclysmic, you know, sort of collapse, um, look, I, I think, you know, this uh, game... You look at it in isolation, I think it's going to be a case of, you know, Perth are going to want to attack, uh, Roar are going to probably have to come out and attack. So I think it's a case of who holds their nerve might be actually taking out three points or at least a share of the points. Well, I think Scott McDonald might be on that um, management. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. well, he went off in the 90th minute with a with a hamstring injury, so I would have thought that would be highly unlikely. Warren mentioned post-game on the coverage that he's probably, that goal goal might have an opportunity to start next week, so that probably gives you a hint as to which way he's leaning if it um, does go in that direction. I think the fact Tom Alder finished the game, I think that probably tells you that it was more of a bit of a... Soreness. Soreness. Yeah. Soreness, or he felt something, but it wasn't really anything. Sort of an injury. Because if if he was unavailable, if he was really sore, it would have been evident in the second half. And he was still moving fine. He was moving fine, and he was... He's played out the whole game. They wouldn't have taken a risk with him. So I think it's fair to say he might be able to play. But with Scott McDonald a bit older and the attacking depth roar of got, you can bring Masato Kudo back into that squad in place of him. And you've still got Champ, Ascend and Goal Goal. So there's plenty of options to cover him for one game or two games. So there's no point in risking him if it's going to end up blowing up and being a long-term hamstring tear. Okay. Well, I'll close this out by saying... Who's he starting front three Friday night, Scott? Well, Riku on one side, goal goal on the other, Windsor Halls. Okay. I think I think that's the best option at the moment. Adam? Yeah, assuming that uh, Scott McDonald doesn't travel. Um, yeah, I'll look over at Scott. I think that's I think that's the three. Uh, I think Joey Tap- Champmas but has a role to play, but I think at the moment yeah. it might be that that strike weapon, yeah. you know, coming off the bench in the seventieth minute. Probably just... comes on after an hour, doesn't he? Because goal goals probably not going to yeah. be fit enough to play think, in ninety minutes. You... So I reckon Champmas. I think is you bracket for those that. two, and I'd say it almost might even be a pre-programmed change yeah. where you know sixty-five minutes, you know, Champmas on for Mabrahu. I think that might yeah. be the way it goes. I'm actually going to go a little bit left field here because that is as I am want to do. That's want with an O. I'm going to say that the Roar are going to start with uh, Masato Kudo up front, Wenzel Halls on one flank, and Joey Champness on the other. I think Riku might be saved for an impact sub off the bench, because uh, he has been... I'd say, I don't think he's been flagging at all, but I do think this is probably going to be a real test for him with the long flight over there. And also then Golgo will probably come on... He and Golgo will probably come on after about an hour, replacing Kudo and Champness. 
this is of course assuming that there is no uh, Scott McDonald yeah. for this fixture, but that's how yeah. I would do it as well. Champness has been around just a little bit longer, and I think he's more likely to have 60 minutes in his legs than what uh, any of the other options are. It's also a chance Jai Ingham does return to the match day squad as well. We've seen, oh yeah, I forgot about him. No, we've seen him on the bench a few <laughs> times early in the season, coming on and getting a small cameos here and there. He might also return to it. I imagine that guys like Alex Parsons and Keegan Yelichich probably won't be making the trip. I'm guessing they'll be getting ready for an NPL season opener a week from whatever day the week is <laughs> yeah. from. Speaking of the NPL, we should probably wrap this up fairly soon so we can get on to our NPL season preview recording. Scott, what are we going to be talking about this time next week, recapping the match? Uh, Brisbane finally score and an away win. Adam? Wild West shootout. Yep, I'm going to... You thought about that all day, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say Kudo opens his Brisbane Roar account. So, there we go. Alright, now, yes, this has been a slightly shorter uh, edition of the Brisbane Football Review, but it's with good reason. We are going to wrap up now on about three quarters of an hour because well, it's one of the best times of the year with the NPL season just around the corner. We're going to stop this show now and record our NPL season preview, which will be out over the weekend, I believe. And, yeah, we're going to stop that now. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, James. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thank you, guys. Good to see you in person. Yes. For change. Definitely. Uh... Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back to recap all the Brisbane Raw news and stats and all the important stuff next week. Get out to the football if you can this weekend. I'm sure there's plenty of local clubs having their trials. We'll talk to you next Wednesday.